Hey everybody, and welcome back to Thinking Critically with your host, Chaz Anderson. Uh, I have my beautiful wife, Shani, with me. Hello. And today we are going to talk about immigration and our thoughts on it and how we think it should be handled. We'll probably, like, ski off some other slopes like we <laughs> usually do, but mostly immigration. Alright, so let's start out with you just telling me what you think. Just generally. Open blank slate. Give me what you got. Great. No direction nope. on that one. Okay. Whatever you think. You're the boss, boss. Okay, well, I think that refugees are important and that we should continue to take in refugees. There's so... There's so many gray areas, so it's, like, hard where I like one thing, but there's always an exception to that, and then I'm going to disagree with what I'm even thinking. So I think refugees are important. One, I think that it helps keep the peace between our country and the country that the refugees are coming from because it's... No, don't segue from me. You asked me a question. So I think that it's important for us to continue to aid because, well, that just makes us look good and could possibly return a favor one day for us. I don't know. I'm not in the military. I don't work in their office. But I think it's good to keep people on your good side. At the same time, you're going to screw up the relationship, I think, that you have with the opposing side. So whoever is attacking the refugees' country, you could get on their bad side. But I just say be Switzerland and continue to be neutral. So I think taking in refugees is important. Immigration is just hard to go about because there is the whole economy thing and arguments about jobs and they're taking our jobs and they're just not Which, yeah that's they're not that's just an obvious line of bullshit no it is no illegal immigrant is coming over here and getting your job in computer science you know no. like if if, if your job if if like your the, career path is picking fruit in southern california then it is your fault if you lose that job exactly. to an immigrant that is not their fault Exactly. Get you, you, you grew up in the United States, in the richest country in human history. Do better, you know? And, like, the whole stereotype of foreigners is the fact that they're your cleaning people. And it's like, okay, well, clearly they're doing the jobs that American citizens don't want to do. Yeah. Or white folk don't want to do. And it's, it's really... It's, it's really important. This is something that I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it gets talked about somewhere, but not anywhere that I hear. Uh, it's important to, it's important to have immigrants, especially in a country like the United States, in a first world country with, well, I guess we don't have great education rates anymore, but no. with a first world country with pretty good education rates, because uh, the more advanced the society gets and the more emphasis that's put on education in the society the the better more skilled jobs most people are going to end up pursuing mm -hmm. and i can't remember when but i if everybody in the united states woke up tomorrow with functioning knowledge and a degree in 
medicine or law. At the end of the day, what you would have is millions of lawyers and doctors pushing brooms and cleaning toilets. There's always a demand for unskilled labor, and somebody has to do those jobs. And so if, if the direction you want to push our society, which I don't really see how you could think any other way, is one in which American citizens end up with great educations and pursuing high-skilled, lucrative work for the most part, then you have to have somebody to pick fruit and clean toilets and do the kind of low-skill labor that somebody with a lot of skill isn't going to want to do, and that's when I think immigration is important to do those kind of jobs. It's a little bit racist, though. Why is that racist? Because you're you're the one who's stereotyping now. You're saying that they're only good for those jobs. No, I'm not. If you take... How many, how many Mexican immigrants from small towns in northern Mexico do you think have degrees in computer science from accredited universities? I don't know. Almost none. As a matter of fact, I would bet literally none. Okay, well, what about the doctors who come over here, like, say, from, like, Sri Lanka, India? Those are all legal immigrants. Yes. Yeah, that's not what we're, that's not, nobody's complaining about that. Fair enough. Yeah. That's yeah. just destroyed That's not point. a problem. Yeah, I know, you just destroyed my point. <laughs> I do like that. the Indian doctors don't come over here. That's, and that's kind of my whole point, is you don't have, you don't but have doctors and lawyers coming over the border illegally. Some of them are, though. Some of them are illegal, and they come here, and they can't no, get a job. They don't. The issue isn't that they come here legally. And in, in situations like that, it's either that they come here legally and then overstay their work visa, or they come here legally and then find out that they can't get a job because the university they went to to get their training isn't accredited by our standards, and so their qualifications don't count here. Right. That is true. I'm just trying to point out the fact that immigrants aren't... It, they're not different than No, they're, they're not all. saying they're stupid they're or that they human, yeah. can't do I other work. I'm just saying that... You did have that out loud. Immigration is an important facet of a sophisticated first world economy because for the most part, the citizens of that economy are not going to be very willing to take low-paying, low-skilled jobs when they have better options and always have, but immigrants yeah. coming from a really disenfranchised area are going to be ecstatic to live in America and take a low-paying job because it's still way more than they would have. Like, this is what happened in the United States in, like, the 70s and 80s, is that immigrants would come over the border during the picking season, mm -hmm. and take what in the United States is considered a really, really low wage to do the work, and they would collect their money for the season, and then they would head back down and bring it to their families in Mexico, where down there, it's a really substantial amount of money. And so, the Americans got what they wanted, because they got their produce picked very cheap, and could give it to the consumer very cheap, and the immigrants got what they wanted, because they got a nice little pile of money and were able to bring it back and live well with their family in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And then 
I don't remember any of the specific dates, so I'm not going to give them. Uh, but at, at some point later on, I think it was during the Clinton administration, they really hammered down on stopping that under the guise of, oh, it's really important we stop illegal immigration. And the flow back and forth kind of stopped. And so you ended up with when they get here, they just never leave because they don't know if they're going to be able to get back in again. Hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. Is that, I didn't know that. Yeah, is that immigration is a really important part of a like modern, sophisticated economy. Yeah. Okay, that is interesting. Where before they would just jump back and forth depending on the season when they could come make money. Now they get in and they're, they don't know that they're ever going to be able to get back in if they leave, so they just don't leave. I think that one of the things that I believe is one of the reasons I think that immigration is bad is the hazardous conditions that people will put themselves through. And we had illegal immigration specifically. Yes. Just just to make it clear that that's what we're talking about. Yes. Like is like people ride rafts all the way to like Florida or, you mm -hmm. know, just on any coast that they can float to if they're able to survive that long, yeah. which if you're on the ocean for four days in the sun with no shade in a raft, you can run out of water. You, you know, like you, like, why would you put yourself through that much? And it's, and people always blame immigrants, which of course they do. It's their responsibility to protect themselves. It's not our fault if they die on the way here. But I believe that it is our fault that people are putting themselves through those conditions. Both countries, not just us. I think that clearly there's something wrong with where they're coming from, that they have to put themselves in that condition to get I, here. I agree with you, but I'm not sure it's for... I'm not sure we think that for the same reason. Maybe not. But I just... And, like, the whole at-the-border rally and how... The caravan. From yes, yeah, and how we were like tear gassing people but then there were pictures of children that were tear gassed and it's like like the comments that you see online mm -hmm. for those videos from it's americans yeah it's brutal it is the most disgusting thing that you could read as a parent mm -hmm. absolutely i have no argument there the one thing i'd like to say is that in that individual instance of the caravan i think both sides of that conversation were insane yeah. or idiotic. The the side saying, good, fuck them, that's what they get for being there, obviously are just kind of be They're dehumanizing is, yes. is, is what they're doing. But uh, the, the other side who says, well, you can't do that. That's horrible. Why would you do My big issue with it, is once they're there at the border, what options do we have? Mm -hmm. I think this is why I, I dislike a lot of the rhetoric around illegal immigration, especially now that Trump is in office, is because it's all focused on how to stop them once they get to the border. But I don't think that's a meaningful way to look at it because... Once, like you were saying, the, the the trek to get there is so treacherous. Like, these people, the caravan, I don't remember exactly where they came from, but it was somewhere in South or Central America. Yeah. Which means this group of people, mostly on foot, 
walked through all of Central America and Mexico just in order to get to the border. Mm -hmm. If you and a hundred other people pick up your families and walk a thousand miles to get somewhere, is there anything the people can say to you when you get there that's going to stop you? Because there's no, I mean, there's no other option. It's like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it. I don't, like, you're, you're already down the raging river and you don't have a paddle. Like, they're, going back isn't an option. You just, you and your family and all these people just walked a thousand miles across mostly arid land to get here. The odds of you all surviving on the way back is slim to none. Which other people's arguments will be, well, they did it to themselves. And you're right. But the issue is, if if we just focus on what do we do when they get to the border, then pretty much the only two options are let them into the country or force them back the way they came, basically with the threat of death. Because, you know, that if you just say, hey, don't come over here, they're just going to keep coming. You have, there has to be a sufficient, <laughs> there has to be a threat more serious than probable death mm -hmm. to keep them from continuing their journey. And so I think the way you need to focus, the, the thing you need to focus on is what can we do to make sure that they don't even get to our border? Okay, but is that a peaceful thing? Like, maybe they need supplies, it's maybe they need... much more peaceful than what do we do when they get here. I guess. I... See, this is where kind of geopolitics gets really dirty. It is hard, yeah. Where it it's, is dirty you too. have to break some eggs, you have to scramble some eggs to get an omelet, or whatever the phrase is. So dumb. There isn't a good answer. The situation in their home country is bad enough that they're willing to make that trek to the border and potentially not even get into the country just on the hope that they might. Which means that saying, well, we need to set up some sort of diplomatic situation where leaving their country to get here isn't an option. That, in and of itself, seems pretty brutal and apathetic. Because that means you're just forcing these people to continue to wallow in these terrible conditions. But it's not like the United States exactly has a great history of reaching in from the top down and fixing countries. Right. So there isn't really a good option. No, and to be honest, it's like not... It's so dumb of me to say, but it's not our place. And I believe that. I completely agree. Yet I don't. I think you believe that, but it's one of those things where it's like, this doesn't feel right to believe. Because it's humanity. Like, yeah, that's why it doesn't feel right to believe that. But I think that that's why we're sectioned off into countries and continents. Yeah, the way you have whatever. to contextualize that, at least the way I contextualize that, is that it doesn't feel right to do it. 
but you have to, it doesn't feel right to say it, like, that's not our problem. But if you look back at the 300,000 years that human beings have been alive, the situation that they're in, in most cases, is better than the situation that everyone else has been in for most of human history. And that's just the way that, like... Okay, but Soci- is that still a good situation? No, that's it's not. That's not good no. enough to settle. No, it's it's not a good situation, but the issue is I don't think that you can come in and change it for the better by force from the outside. I don't think so either. I agree. And so you, I didn't mean to say that it's good enough for them. I just meant to say that that's, that's basically the reality of human existence outside of a select number of places at a select number of times is just struggle. Yeah. That's just what human life has been for 99.99% of people that have ever lived. But what if we're making it that much worse? Well, there are a lot of ways that we are making it worse. Okay, well, what about the people saying, oh, let's pick them off at the border as they come? That is the only way Trump's wall will ever work. That's horrible. You're right. That's one of the main reasons I don't support it. Like, how could... Well, here's... How can you be a human and think that about life? I just, I don't get uh, it. That's... That's kind of the whole tribalism thing. It's pretty deeply ingrained in people. And when... Like, why do most Americans from, I guess, even small towns... Like, there was a statistic where Trump voters, for Mm -hmm. example, came from the smallest of small towns. Yeah, I mean, they're mostly... I think it's the lack of culture around them, the lack of education that they Mm -hmm. get for themselves, and just small-minded people, you know. Yeah, it's just again, it's just it's 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 tribalism. The the reason that you don't see a ton of it in big cities is just because there are too many people around to really form a cohesive tribe. It's tough to say us versus them when us is But that's the way that it should 18 be. million people. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that that's kind of how humans work is for the most part they look to identify a tribe so that that tribe can then collectively defend themselves. That's how all of human history has worked right, up until very recently. better than the other, and I feel like most people are thinking that... I can say one is better than the other. The, the, the non-tribal one is better right. than the tribal one, but it just, that's... Like, I don't understand how people are, again, like, saying, let's just pick them off at the border. They're... They're saying that about another person's life, it's, and they don't even view it like that. They view no, it as... Yeah. We're humans, and they're an infestation. Yeah, it's because it. it's it's largely because of the misinformation that people get fed on it. Where exactly, they're people sending, don't try to educate themselves. They're sending further. over. Probably gonna get flack from this for my go ahead my conservative friends and viewers, but are you using my bop? I am. As a it, yes, it helps my back. Uh, <laughs> that they're sending over rapists and murderers. I hate people. That's and that's that's the narrative that a lot of people buy into is that the only thing coming across the Mexican borders is criminals and drugs. And I could literally punch people in the face. Like yeah. for people who say that Mexicans are coming over and they're all rapists, it's like, do you know what the number one race is for rapists right now? 
white males. White. Not Mexican, not Asian, not black. White. I'm going to cut you off there. Because... No, it is a statistic. No, I understand that, but I think it's a misleading statistic. And this is a fairly significant hobby horse for me. Because I think in the United States there is a general disdain for white males at the time at the moment and it is kind of in vogue to trash white males it's not in vogue oh it definitely is are you kidding me if, if you if you keep up with american politics and what's kind of going on in the country That's and the, the general vibe it's definitely the, the the white male is the penultimate sign of evil oppression I do think that that's with the Trump era, though. I think that he's... Well, I, I think they, they happen to coincide. But uh, whatever the reason might be, <laughs> as a white male who considers himself a fairly decent guy, I take some offense to that. And as a person raising a small white male, I don't particularly like the direction that's going for for him. Uh, and so I'm going to, I'm going to veer off and explain why I think that's kind of a misleading statistic. Well, that's okay. White males. Since you're defending yourself right now and all white males are defending themselves right now. It is across yeah, the board. And some of them are bad people and some blacks are bad people and some women are bad people. And some Asians are bad people and some Mexicans are bad people. The issue is that whites make up about 87% of the population of the United States or that's well, probably like 77 yeah, I was like, not anymore. <laughs> it's pretty close. I think African-Americans make up like 13 and Latinos make up like 7 and Asians are like 2 or 3. But uh, yeah, whites make up 70-something percent of the country and 50% of them are male. And so I think statistics like most rapes are committed by white males are probably, could, are probably a little skewed by the fact that we are the overwhelming majority of the people available to be doing rapes. <laughs> you know? Women aren't raping people. Yes, they are. Oh, come on. People. You're horrible if you say that women can't rape people just because they're the weaker I think gender. it's possible that they can. I think for the most part they don't. We're not going to get into that one right now. We can just... Are you trying to say... Is this like some kind of feminist, women can do anything men can do, we can rape people too? What is happening? That is hor- no! That's what you're doing! No, I'm just saying. Like, you just said, don't tell me that women can't rape people just because they're weak. That's not what I said. I said, don't tell me that you think women can't rape because you think that they're the weaker gender or something. Yeah, that's- we will let You're the, telling we will, me that we will a let woman the has never raped a person. I didn't say that. I said they're physically... They're, they can do it. But for the most part, they don't. Like, it's it's possible for a woman to rape a man. It's happened, It's significantly more difficult. And it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't have to be a man. I'm just saying... I'm trying to I would include like, everyone okay. in the bad pot right now. Yeah. Which every, includes okay. all genders. But, like, if we actually look at the statistics... 
Yeah, it's like ninety something percent of yeah, like ninety eight percent of rapes are committed by men. Yeah, I know it's like two percent, but I'm just saying like men rape men more often than women rape men. Which is gross. You guys are gross. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of our gig. We can talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> okay, so what were, what were we talking about? I just I think that it's unfair for you to be able to defend yourself. Everyone defend. Are you kidding me? I, okay, when I say you, I don't mean you personally. No, I understand what you mean by white males, but everybody's defending but then, themselves constantly. Okay, but they're not defending. They're just <coughs> deflecting. They're saying, oh, we're, you're saying that all white men are rapists, but then they're like, all the Mexicans coming are rapists yeah. and drug dealers, and it just Again, doesn't make any sense. There are a lot of stupid white guys. 100%. Okay. But I just, I, I, took, I took issue with the... I know what you took issue Yeah, because it's not really an honest it's not really an honest interpretation of that statistic. Yeah, I get uh, that. But yeah, anyway, back all the way back mm -hmm. to uh the immigration thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of misinformation about immigrants and if you look up the the actual crime rates, first generation immigrants commit almost no crime. Right. It's I mean it's not even close. Natural ed. First generation immigrants, I can't remember the exact statistic, but like per capita commit like not even 10% of the crimes mm -hmm. that naturalized citizens commit. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's just, I mean, that's a line of BS. The We gotta put up a wall to keep them off our borders is BS. It's It'd cost close to $50 billion to build probably at least a billion dollars a year to man and I just don't get why we're trying keep to upright. Germany 100 years ago. I just don't. <laughs> this is Okay, this is the funny thing. What we were talking about is pick them off from the wall is what you said. Well, there's the Berlin Wall. There's But this is what I'm going to say is that one of, the, one of the common examples I hear a lot from conservatives about uh examples of a wall working is Israel. Oh no. Because they're they, the the country's kind of surrounded with a wall. It's not okay. It's, it's just it's not actually but the, doing it, anything. No, but it is. It works great. It's got almost a hundred percent success rate. But the reason is because Israeli soldiers will on a regular basis mow down crowds of people if they get too close to the wall. Yeah. They have... It's not actually doing anything good. Well, that depends on your perspective. Okay. But that's the whole thing. I don't no, believe but it's important. taking down malls of people is a good thing. Okay, but here's... Okay, here's contextually how I can defend the, the Israeli situation. Because I am on the Israeli side of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I don't know anything about it. I just... Yeah, okay, so... It, them shooting people and... Israel killing. is a Jewish country. Correct. In the center of the Middle East. Good job. Generally, Muslims aren't big fans of Jews. Fair enough. Yeah. Like... <laughs> for instance, uh, Hez or Hamas, mm -hmm. a giant political organization in Iran that's also a terrorist organization for all intents and purposes. Uh, the official flag of their group is a mushroom cloud that says death to all Jews below it. 
Why do people hate the Jews so much? I have no idea. Uh, I don't they're know. Nice people. Probably because they're so smart. Ashkenazi Jews have the highest average IQ out of any racial group in the world, a 115, and the standard is 100 across the world, and that happens to be the average of whites. Uh, Marsud is a Jew. Yep. And he also fought in the war. He did. I wrote an article on him. You did? That was interesting. Back to the wall. Okay, yeah. Uh, but this is why it's different. This is why a wall works and why shooting the people who get too close to the wall while still not great is potentially justified because if you polled the people in the surrounding countries a really healthy percentage of them are going to say that they would like to see oh the israel, end of yeah. israel right yeah israel fall. and so it kind of makes sense since you are in the middle of an active war zone Okay, surrounded but... by people who would actively pursue the destruction of your country if they could, it would make sense to put a wall up and guard it. But that's not the situation we're in. I, so it doesn't work. And unless you're unless you're unless you're willing to make the leap that the, the Mexican immigrants coming across the border into America are equal to the potential Muslim suicide bombers trying to get into Israel, unless you're going to make that leap, I don't think you can really justify using deadly force on the top of a wall to keep them out. Yeah. I think that the most sad thing for me to see is people coming to the border, like, with their small kids, and being ripped apart mm -hmm. and having like there have been so many deaths of children in those camp that we have set up mm -hmm. and we just don't care and i actually got into an argument with a couple people online about it and they were like oh it's the parents fault it's like no we took the child into our care mm -hmm. and they died yeah a child died yeah. once once they're in our anyone doesn't matter. And there are so many kids. Criminals, immigrants, lost. children, anybody. Once they're in our custody, it is our responsibility right. what happens to them. That's how things Lawfully. work. Lawfully. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So I am going to change directions a little bit on you. Okay. Just for the sake of not seeming super biased. Because this has all been like a very liberal leaning episode of... Mm. Immigrants are great. Immigration is great. And Conservatives in the wall are evil. Blah. Yeah, but that's kind of been the general tone. Like we haven't really said many negative things about it at this point. Uh, I did. Okay, so I. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so I'm going to make a case against it, and if you agree with it, great. If not, let me know what you think, but it's more or less just for the sake of showing that I do have a pretty balanced opinion on the topic. Uh, this is about making Chaz shine. It's about trying to make Chaz not seem biased. <laughs> because I'm hoping to have a pretty well-versed audience. Uh, so I think one of the issues with immigration, and I don't think it's as big of a problem with... Uh, like the illegal immigration most people talk about in terms of Mexicans coming over the border. I think it's a bigger deal with the refugee crisis that we were talking about, that you were talking about. Uh, 
while I do think it is important to accept refugees from war-torn areas where things are unreasonably bad and out of their control. And I think everybody pretty much knows that that's a good thing. Uh, but I don't think that you ever really hear a good, credible argument about why it might not always be a good thing. Uh, Is this like about Somalis now? Kind of just generally refugees from Islamic countries, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, now I have a conservative view. Yeah, well, yeah. But again, I... I feel like a lot of people have a conservative view on it, and I kind of have a conservative view on it, but I don't necessarily think that I have a conservative view on it for the same reason that most people do, or at least the reason I have a conservative view on it is a little bit more, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'd say nuanced than a lot of other people's. Just because you lived in it? No. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of the reason that I think it's not always a good thing uh, doesn't even really necessarily pertain to the United States. It's more relevant in European countries. I don't know how familiar you are with it. but Not at all. Okay, well. So this is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, Europe has been experiencing like a, I mean, they call it a refugee crisis because people from. Well, I know in like France all, and stuff. Yeah, it, Europe is landlocked with the everything. Middle East and Africa and pretty much everything other than us. Uh, and so they are getting waves and waves and waves and waves of people just showing up and claiming that they're refugees. And it's good to help people out when they need it in situations like that. And it's not as big of a problem for the United States just because we're not landlocked. We can kind of control who comes and goes a little bit better and we're a much bigger country. Mm -hmm. But for a place like Sweden, who has a population of 7 million people, or Germany that has a population of 10 to 12 million people. Or, well, they're probably like 20 million or something like that. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, but not huge numbers. Uh, if all of a sudden, over the course of three or four years, you now have a million conservative Muslims come into a mostly homogenous country of six to seven million people like Sweden you start having an actual problem on your hands. I love Sweden. Yeah, so well, far. because, but there are a lot of problems with it now. Like, mm. Sweden is the rape capital of Europe. Oh, that's the, oh, Because wow. the, these uh, super conservative Muslims who come over there, uh, things work a lot differently in their con their home country than they yep. do in Sweden, and, and for so whoever is listening, there's not quickly, as... it's cultural, not religion. Well, anyway, that's a different topic. Uh, we don't agree on that, <laughs> um, but we'll get to that on a different episode. Um, yeah, just in terms of like the the population statistic, like so, if you're in a democratic country mm -hmm. of seven million people. And it's pretty homogenized, like Sweden and Germany and all these other countries are. And then all of a sudden, 10, I mean, 5 to 10% of your entire country becomes super conservative Muslims. 
that, I mean, that can have actual real effects on the policy, on the way things run in your society. There, I mean, first-generation immigrants and refugees tend to all bunch up into communities, and you see a lot of that in St. Cloud and Minneapolis and Minnesota specifically with the Somali refugee population, is that they just, I mean, they tend to all commune together in the same area. And so there can be entire sections, entire towns or cities or even just neighborhoods where it's not really safe to go. And I'm not necessarily saying that's the case with the Somali population in Minnesota because I'm not totally sure, honestly. But in some of these countries, that that is the case and it can mess with your your voting demographics like if 10% of the population is now conservative muslim but they are all very motivated to see political change i mean that could swing elections and put people in power who are i don't like that pro theocracy and want to see something like sharia law instituted in these countries like there what i'm saying is that no, there I'm not is saying I don't like what yeah, you're saying. I'm I saying like I agree with you. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. But I would have to read up on it more just because I'm only getting one Absolutely. And one it's, view. it's not I don't really have any of that from firsthand experience because I don't live in those countries. But we and it's not really St. Cloud, so we've seen but it's, some it's not the... as big of a problem in the United States because well, they're still going to end up all communing together and making certain parts of the air certain areas kind of unhospitable to the natural population that's pretty much only true of first generation by the time you get to second and third generation immigrants like by the time so you come over here as a refugee I've and you're really conservative and, and bunch they up were, together yeah but then i mean the women especially their kids and to. their kids kids you're just like everybody else yeah like the and cultural aspects really tone themselves down because those kids are exposed to American culture and surrounded by other yeah. Americans when they're kids. And like so they're really, they're way more easily influenced by our culture. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't know if it's because of their culture, but like, I've never, like a, a Somalian man or someone yeah. our age, like on campus, I have never got into a conversation with, I guess, but, yeah. like, a few, like, Somalian women, mm -hmm. I guess, I've spoken to and had conversations with, like, in classes and stuff, and you can tell that they are second and third yeah. generation because... They're much more Americanized. Yeah, Americanized, but they're much more... I don't know. I mean, I guess that they're... Some of them are just outright liberal, mm -hmm. but... They're definitely just more aware and less timid, I guess, to yeah. talk and to. Especially with what you were saying about the women specifically seem to temper out to our culture a little faster. And I think it's because we are so different from yeah, their culture. It's so much they more hospitable for them. Yeah. In our culture, yeah. where they are. Our culture is very hospitable to them, and yes. the men might not necessarily move over as as quickly because well they don't have it is a better country yeah society. it is a better country to live in objectively they don't have the same 
the same power that they did in their home country. They don't have the same rights to do as they please as they did in their own country. And so it yeah, might be like, a little bit of a tougher not, pill to swallow. They're not the more privileged yeah. gender they in wanna, our society. They want to get all the benefits of living here while keeping all of the social benefits of the way their societies were structured. Yeah, which you just can't. I well, mean... yeah. You get an argument out of me. But, yeah. So, but, I, again, I don't think it's as big of a problem in the United States just because, again, the a lot of the cultural differences tend to kind of fall off in the second and third generation regardless of where you are. But the main reasons it's not as big of a problem is because we can control the flow and we're just so much bigger. I mean, we have 300 million oh, yeah. people. A, a million refugees is a drop in the bucket. It's not changing any demographics. Like, when we look at the globe, of course, we look small compared to Canada and then South America. Well, I'm not even talking, like, geographically. I just mean, like, in terms mm. of population. There's 300 million of us. Yeah. It's well, a million people here is a... we have a bigger... Well, not necessarily. Bigger, yeah. I mean, Canada has not even a quarter of our population, but... It's because 90% of Canada's not livable. <laughs> it's a giant snow cap. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so it's just that it would take so much, so many more people to swing any kind of demographics in the country that it's it's not practical to do over the one generation you have available to do it because the second and third generation are so tempered down you can't like if you were if you were going to say we're going to bring in 30 million muslim refugees over the next 20 years then we could that's, do some change but so, that's not even really that big of a deal what i'm saying because the time scale is long enough that you think that some they're of them flow out no but their kids and their kids kids are going to be like their kids are going to be more americanized by the time the whole 30 million came in, that it would kind of offset, you know? Okay, well... But in a country where there's only you, 7 million people, a million coming in at once is a yeah. huge deal. So there are a bunch of, like, activists mm -hmm. from their countries yep. who are refugees, who are trying to get rights when they are refugees. What do you think about that? I like, don't know what you they mean want, by activists. They want fast change. They want rights yeah. as refugees... Like, like, they like, want to incite political change as refugees, or what do you mean? Yeah, like, they want the rights that an American citizen would have. Well, for the most part, they do. I think right. universally they do. Universally they do, but with some aspects they don't, and that's what they're fighting for, from what I've heard. But I don't know what you mean. I, like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, so I can't really give you an opinion on it. Um, I guess, like, I don't know what when we were going to mostly stop flow of... Yeah. Letting the yeah the yeah they wanted to refugee be, ban. They wanted to be able to. Is it like vote? What is it? Be able to have a voice in whether or not that would actually happen. Well, I don't think they get to vote because they're not U.S. citizens. Right. But yeah. My point is, what do you think about the refugees who wanted? To be able to vote, or thought I that they would care. have had the right to vote. That's not how the country works. Okay, that care. was my question. Yeah, doesn't bother me at all. I it, it might it might sound mean to say no. But, it like, doesn't sound mean. I you're lucky thought... you're here in the first place. So yeah, no. I if you want to just go with the flow, man. like we just took you deal with it. Yeah. housing, food, cars, whatever. Yeah. Like I don't get me wrong, I didn't agree with that either, but 
it's better than where you were before. So no, just yeah, deal I was with just it, you know? trying to yeah. find a question to get you. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, I don't know. A that's a long answer, but I, if you don't have one, no. that's fine. I mean, that's kind of straight to the point. Just generally, my thoughts on immigration. I think. No, I think it's ridiculous. I think like legal the... immigration is basically good. I think. I think there's too yeah. much of an. I think there's too much of an emphasis on wanting skilled immigration. Okay. Like, you have to have a degree or you have to have marketable skill in order to get into the country. Okay. Which is what a lot of people say they want, but I don't necessarily think that's a good thing because we should be we should be putting the emphasis on giving our own citizens. Yeah, and I don't really think that that's the right way to go about even legal immigration because I think the emphasis for us should be trying to get our naturalized citizens kind of educated and trained to where they can take those skilled positions. I don't think we should be outsourcing for talent for those positions because then you end up with less of those high-paying, high-skilled jobs for American citizens to take, I think. And plus, the you're helping those high-skill people, bringing them into the country, because a doctor in America is going to live a much higher quality of life than a doctor in India. But a doctor in India is living a much higher quality life than somebody in India who would come here and push brooms. So, like, the, okay. the quality of life shift. Like, if you're going to look at immigration as a way to improve people's lives by bringing them here. Yeah. The amount of change you're going to see in the quality of life for a poor, low-skill person from these countries, when you bring them here to do low-skill work, is going to be much better greater than the level of quality of life you're going to see when you bring in a doctor from India and let them be a doctor here. Because life was already pretty good for them as a doctor in India, and now it's just great now that they're here. Yeah. But if you go from, you know, a, I, don't know the, I don't know how the caste system works, but something like a peasant in India. Because we have peasants. A lot of countries do. Uh <laughs> And bring them to America, I think where they, they can. Call them like the slums. But either way, where they could get a, even a minimum wage job in the United States is going to afford you a much higher quality of life than. Anything they were experiencing in their home country. If you don't have, yeah, okay, yeah. gray area, but yeah, I yeah. understand what you're saying. So I think that's just kind of my. Thought on that is I think we should focus less on skilled immigration because I think. We should be pushing our own citizens to get the skills to take those jobs and I think that yeah, you're improving the lives of the people in these other countries more if you're taking the the low skill people and bringing them here right yeah it's I'm just, kind of glad that we have both yeah both just, thought processes of like beliefs I guess yeah. or the way things should be in a society because like I don't know which way I lean more now. 
I think what I do you have... mean like explain well that remember better. when i first asked you a couple years ago like what side you think i would be on you said conservative oh, okay you meant the political spectrum i yeah. just didn't know what exactly you were talking about okay yeah but now i think that i am a little more liberal with things because i'm a little more humanitarian i guess mm -hmm. which in turn is a liberal apparently if you care about humans just kidding. I'm not going there. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for yeah. having me on your podcast. Of course, you're beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. You are too. Alright. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in, supporting the show, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Happy you're my first guest.